This is Fullness of Life, discussing topics important to your life of faith and ways to grow in a life of grace. Join us each month as we inspire listeners to a deeper relationship with the Lord to live His fullness of life. Now, here's your host, Letty Medina. Welcome everyone, this is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life, and I'm here in the studio with Deacon Tom, and we are continuing our monthly half-hour live show to talk about the spiritual realm and, you know, spiritual warfare and the realities of all the things around us that maybe we can't see, but we should be aware of. So welcome, Deacon Tom. Thank you, Letty. It's wonderful to be here again. So, you know, today I, I think we wanted to focus a little bit about the fact that there is a spiritual world all around us. What, what would you like to share with the listeners about that? Well, first off, I think it's really important that we all understand really how the spiritual world works. And so one of the things that we need to, uh, to grasp is how angels in particular operate in our world. Oftentimes it's not something that is ever preached on and it's certainly not discussed very readily. So, you know, we need to understand that angels are very different than human beings. Obviously, they're pure spirit, but more importantly, it's the way in which their actual minds and intellect work. Our intellect changes quite rapidly. We don't necessarily understand the choices that we make or the ones that we face. And so there's there's a certain dimension that we don't quite grasp when it, when it comes to understanding God's will. But angels do, when they were first created, by God, they were given perfect intellects. And so they were given the choice whether to follow God or to not. And so they made a life-altering choice, an eternal choice, when they were first created. And so the angels, obviously, continued to follow God, where the demons chose to rebel. And so they are permanently trapped within that state. And I think it's important as we as we continue to discuss many other topics, that they will never ever change their mind. They are permanently and eternally in a position where they will continue to rebel against God, regardless of, um, of many of the ways in which they operate within this world. And I think, you know, I've certainly encountered a lot of people in this spiritual, you know, journey that, you know, one of the biggest tricks of the enemy is to convince people that he's not real. And so when people who are trying to be uh, faithful to the Lord, but they don't really maybe understand the bigger picture of what comes against us when we are trying to seek a life of faith, uh, they may not realize how the enemy is literally, you know, trying to work against their progress in the journey of faith. And certainly, it, the way that the demonic operates is not from a position of hell. It is a position of being here on earth. And so when the angels fell, they were sent here to earth to be able to undermine all of God's creation. And that is their sole purpose. That is what they are designed and what, what their sole intent is to be able to not only steal souls away from God, but to undermine everything that he has created. Everything good, everything holy, everything pure is is what they're after and what they intend to corrupt. Yeah, and if we look at Revelations 12, what does it say? It says, The huge dragon, the ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world, was thrown down to earth, and its angels were thrown down with it. 
it's clear evidence, scriptural evidence that we have that this is the world in which we live, but it's oftentimes the world in which we ignore. We don't necessarily look at the world around us through that lens. Yeah. And then to counter, you know, the reality of these fallen angels, right? We all have guardian angels. What do you want to say a little bit? Something on the positive side of this topic. Absolutely. So the most amazing thing is that God gives us these guardian angels to be able to accompany us from the very moment of our conception. And so from the very beginning of time, we were each assigned a guardian angel. And so when we come into the world, that guardian angel comes, accompanies us all the way through our entire life. And then when we obviously pass from this earth and this time to the next, they then return to heaven and are able to glorify God along with hopefully all of us, right, um, in, in his very presence. And so, you know, our guardian angels are, are something that they are servants, most first and foremost. You know, we, we don't necessarily rely on them, but they help guide us and they serve a specific role to be able to help us to understand with greater clarity the decisions that we're making, to protect us oftentimes from from making poor decisions, uh, from turning to sin, all those kind of things. So we we should certainly thank and praise God for the for the gift of their presence in our lives. And we should we should ask for their help more consistently, right? I mean, that's what you hear, like if you read the lives of the saints, many of them actually had encounters with their guardian angels. Some of them could see their guardian angels. Like those are such re real experiences that are written in the lives of the saints that we know they're real, right? And we just have to really take that leap of faith that that angel really is there to help us and we need to call upon them more. Certainly. Um, so, Let's talk a little bit about, so you, you said that, um, you know, the, the demons, uh, the fallen angels, that they have a, a full knowledge of nature, right? Like they have a, a superior intelligence. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like how did that um, play into their, you know, fall from grace? So... So all the angels knew exactly the choice that they were making. And they work from whole to part. We work in the exact opposite. When we look at things, we look at things by their, their characteristics or features. So take an animal, for example. So we look at certain animals and we see a tail and we see four legs and we see fur and we identify, it, oh, that's a fox. Right. <laughs> right. But the angelic work on a completely different plane they look at the nature or the essence of something. So they know something by, by its sheer existence in the way that God would. And so they look at the whole and then they look backwards in terms of the particular. So they know what the essence of what it means to be human. And then they look at the characteristics or the behaviors of a particular human being, right? And they're able to define who they are. And so think about the fact that they have been in existence well before man was created and they will be in existence well before after and so they know us extremely well think about for example somebody who studies human behavior but instead of studying in college for four or maybe you have a master's degree and you study for you know six or eight think about if you had maybe i don't know two thousand years of study <laughs> you get to know who you're studying extremely well and with fine detail and so that's really what we're up against these demonic 
have studied human behavior for years and years and years and years. They see our patterns. They see how we interact with each other. They see how we interact with sin. They know they, our weaknesses. They know our weaknesses, our temptations. Yep. All of those things are so intimately familiar with them. And that's why we need to rely on God's grace to be able to protect us and preserve our own souls from all of those things that come against us day in and day out. Well, and I think it's important for the listeners to also put in perspective that one of the reasons that I've heard, at least, and you can hopefully affirm this, that they rebelled was that when they were given full knowledge that God was going to allow his son to become a human, they were so bothered by the fact that, they were ge- that God would lower himself to our weak nature that they said, I will not serve a God like that. Is that kind of what you understand? That is expressed by many, many saints, um, many theologians certainly uh, adhere to that understanding. And I think it is important, the fact that that rebellion and obedience, right, are, are the the hinge points. You see in Witness and Mary, her obedience, her willingness to serve. You see in Christ himself, obviously, his obedience to the Father, right, in going to the cross, his willing to serve each and every one of us, right, in the washing of the feet. And so you see the characteristics and the willingness, right, through their lives and how we should embody those same qualities within our own selves, within our own spiritual walk, within our own dimension of faith. And that's truly what preserve us from getting into trouble. If we're obedient to the teachings of the church, if we're faithful and willing to serve others, right, as, as our everyday and ordinary lives, oftentimes we don't ever have to worry about encountering any of those negative things or any things that may try to tempt us away from living a life of grace. Yeah. So again, you know, one of the reasons we feel so committed to coming on the radio every month and talking about the reality of spiritual warfare, the reality of the demonic and the angelic, right? And that there's a war going on all the time in the spiritual realm that we live in, whether we can see it or not. Uh, is because the more you understand this reality, the better you'll be able to fight against it and be prepared to win the battle in the name of Jesus Christ, right? It's also, it it brings you a deeper appreciation for what God has offered us in the church, in the sacraments, in, in the opportunity to come before him in prayer. If you understand the nature of what's going on around you, those are our safe harbors those are our safe havens those are the the places by which we're able to defend ourselves and to preserve ourselves for that eternal kingdom yeah no it's it's good so i mean we here are on a catholic radio show and so you know we're going to speak mainly to how do we as catholics defend ourselves but for anyone who's listening in who isn't catholic i mean this might be a reason for you to consider coming into the church like we do have a lot of protection given to us with from within the church. So what do we want to say about that, you know, trying to find that protection from within the church? Well, first and foremost, it comes through our Christian baptism. That is the first sacrament that we receive. Yep. It, is, it is the most significant out of all of the sacraments because it's the moment in which God's divine grace pours into our very souls. And as a deacon, it is one of the greatest pleasures of of my ministry is to be able to receive children and to baptize them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, because they are radically transformed in that very moment. Because 
you know, it's God's love that's drawing them into that divine life and that Trinitarian life. Yeah. If people only understood the significance of these sacraments, right, they wouldn't take them for granted, like, oh, we're just going to go and, <laughs> but they're, they're really life-changing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the other things that obviously, you know, help us in terms of, you know, being able to defend ourselves is making sure that we are obedient. I can't tell you how many people that I've had conversations with that, that grumble because of their pastor or because of their bishop or because of the Holy Father or whoever. And when we step outside of our lane and we, and we start to criticize people, um, you know, I think we need to realize and understand that God placed them there. Whether or not that makes us comfortable or not, God placed them there for a reason. It may be, you know, that we need to be able to be a little bit more patient or a little bit more understanding. But rather than criticize, we, we need to intercede and we need to pray. You know, we need to pray for our shepherds. We need to make sure, you know, that we're doing everything that we can to be able to support them, to be able to transform the life of our own parishes, the lives of our community, the, our brothers and sisters in Christ, to be able to reach out for them. Oftentimes, when we start to lean towards those criticisms and step out of obedience, it's because we ourselves are not necessarily doing enough. No. That we're not really fully participating in the life of the church and ministering to others in the way that we ought to. Well, and, and in the end, right, we're called to obedience to Jesus Christ and his church, right? And mm-hmm. the church teaches many things that are very challenging. And, you know, I know most people have heard the term cafeteria Catholic, right? Like I was one of those cafeteria Catholics early in my journey because I didn't understand some of the teachings of the church. And so I kind of picked and choose what I wanted to follow. But that is where we are called to a deeper understanding of the faith. Why does the church teach these certain things? And why are we called to even accept the harder teachings that are, you know, a little maybe call for a little more self-sacrifice, right? Mm-hmm. And when we choose not to adopt certain teachings of the faith, it may be difficult. However, we have to truly place our faith in, in the church and its wisdom. And the more... Th- the more oftentimes that we struggle with something, it's because of the fact that we really haven't learned it. We haven't really meditated on it. We haven't really wrestled with it enough. Or asked for the grace to really understand it and accept it, even when it's hard for us. For right? sure. Yeah. But when we choose not to, oftentimes it opens a doorway. You know, it leaves an opening for other things to come into our lives particularly sanitation, but it also leaves us open to sometimes adhering to other practices, other spiritual things that God explains are very detrimental to our our life of faith and our relationship with Him. It erodes, you know, that that trust um, and, and can oftentimes also remove that baptismal grace at times, which is very dangerous. Yeah. Absolutely. What about personal pray, prayer? What would you say about personal prayer as a form of protection? Well, prayer is, is in its very simplest form, is time with God. Yep. And if we want a relationship with God, we have to spend time with Him. We have to communicate. We have to conversate with Him. But we also have to allow Him to love us, too. We also have to, you know, spend time seeking those areas of our lives that need to to be transformed and conform more fully to him. You know, one of the the essence of prayer 
is recognizing the fact that he is God and we are not. Yeah. And that, you know, God doesn't bend to us, we bend to him. Yeah. And, and that is truly the essence and the heart of, of the obedience that we're called to. Yeah. And I know you kind of correlate this with exercise, like that we have to exercise our spiritual muscles, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the more that we go to prayer, the more that, that we feel comfortable, not only in silence, but listening to God's soul, His Spirit, right? Being able to hear Him speak to us R in the whisper. Through Scripture, through Scripture. All of those things help us to become more well-rounded in terms of our faith, but they're also the pillars by which we can lean on, especially during those difficult times of our life. Exactly. And, you know, I always go back to this simple scripture, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if we need, if we want to be rooted in him, we need to know his word, we need to know him, we have to have that intimate relationship with him so that we don't get led astray from who he is, who is our salvation, right? So, it's all very important for us to continue to uh, grow in our faith. What, what do you want to share with the listeners about Satan and the way he kind of operates? Well, certainly, S Satan dangles things out in front of us. <laughs> he makes things seem very, very appealing at first. And, you know, that can be through general temptations, whether it be, you know, having relationships with people that are, are really not holy relationships. It can be, you know, um, the desire for, for greater wealth in our lives, greater power, authority, um, greater respect even, um, all those types of things. And so, um, and he even, you know, puts out in front of us other ways of healing many people who are broken, who, um, who are desperate, you know, turn to all different types of forms of alternative healings um, that only lead them further and further into, into darkness and into greater brokenness and, um, and certainly um, greater entrapment. Can you give some examples of things that people turn to? Sure. There are many, many common forms of alternative healings out there in the world today. You know, we see um, people who, uh, Catholics, and professing and even uh, teaching Reiki, which is, you know, a very uh, Eastern uh, philosophy. We also see people use, you know, various crystals, um, pendulums for, for divination to be able to, you know, kind of read different signs or, or different things um, you know some people al also go to you know hypnosis which one way or the other you are kind of surrendering your will to the other person you know your mind your mind yeah. right which you know is certainly if you're doing that make sure that you're doing it with someone that you implicitly trust because you know those things can obviously in the wrong hands um, you know bend a person's will in a very very uh, wrong direction yeah and i think you know we have to realize that even people within the church are practicing some of these things and it doesn't make it right um, again we turn to scripture and what does scripture say about some of this so from you know deuteronomy it's very very clear it says let there not be found among you anyone who causes their son or daughter to pass through the fire practices of divination or as a soothsayer or an auger or a sorcerer who casts spells consult ghosts and spirits or seek oracles from the dead anyone who does such things is an abomination to the lord yeah 
I mean, you can't be more clear than that, right? The Lord makes it very, very clear that He doesn't want us going to these other forms of healing or searching for answers that we don't really need to know, right? And why? We have Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus Christ is the healer. He is the divine physician. Why would we seek anything other than Him? Yeah. And, you know, so Deacon Tom and I work in prayer ministry, healing ministry with people, and so we encounter people who have opened doors like this, and we see the suffering that they endure because of it. And a lot of it comes from lack of understanding. A lot of it is just they're naive. They don't understand that these things are dangerous when they open the doors to them, and they pay a price for it. And so that is one of the reasons that we feel called to have this radio show once a month to talk about these risks, these realities, that we cannot play games uh, with the spiritual realm. We can't bargain uh, with uh, evil. Um, they are really trying to prevent our progress towards heaven, and they're trying to uh, win souls away from God. It's that simple. Um, so how, okay, so, you know, a lot of kind of more challenging information, but okay, so some of you who are listening have maybe gone to a, uh, a, a Reiki master, or you've gone to have your palm read, or you've gone to do things that uh, played with crystals, whatever. Uh, don't panic. <laughs> We're here to no, say God loves panic. you. God loves you, right? But how, how, if you are having struggles of any kind, how, how do you correct it? How do you make amends? Well, first and foremost, we, we really, truly need to come to the understanding that God, more than anything, loves you, yes. and He wants to set you free. Yep. And He wants to forgive you for whatever sins you have committed, whatever acts or, or ways in which you have turned against Him. And so, we simply need to come to Him, particularly in the sacrament of confession, because many of these things, right, are, are grave sins. These are things that God has outlined, whether we realize them or not, right. they are clearly outlined in Scripture, that they are serious offenses to God. And so, we need our, the priest to be able to absolve us in a special and unique way. And that takes care of so much. When we seek God's forgiveness and we reconcile ourselves with Him and receive that divine grace in the sacrament of confession, we renew ourselves. Yeah. Our souls are restored. And, and once again, we're able to be face-to-face -face with our Lord. Yeah, and I think it's very important, again, for our listeners to hear that um, in, in being involved in this kind of healing and, and deliverance work that we do, we've heard this stated by priests who are trained in this area. One good confession is more powerful, far more powerful than any kind of deliverance prayer session, you know, even exorcism, right? That the Lord himself is present in that sacrament of confession and he is the one meeting that person in that act of sacramental grace, and he's pouring new life into them, and he's trying to get them back on track with him so that they can continue to make progress towards the kingdom. Because unforgiveness is one of the greatest strongholds of the enemy. Yes. When we choose not to forgive, think about the Our Father, right? That is calling us to forgive. Lord, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. So if we're not actively forgiving others as well, we stand in a place where God cannot give us or allow us to receive 
his love, his mercy, and his grace. And so if there's anyone out there who has chosen not to forgive somebody, regardless of how difficult or how much they may have hurt you, choose to forgive. Choose to forgive because it's through that forgiveness that God will bring healing and restoration into your own soul. Yeah, and, and if, you, if you literally cannot forgive because you just really haven't been able to surrender it, what you do is you go before the Lord. You go and, and spend time in prayer and say, Lord, I can't do this on my own, and I need you to give me the grace. That's what you have to ask for because in the end, he wants you to have the grace to be able to be set free from that sin of unforgiveness. And he will give it to you if you keep asking for it. And I I know I'm talking out of personal experience. I I definitely struggled uh, with forgiveness on several occasions. And the only way that I was able to eventually come to that place of letting that go was through his divine intercession and his grace being given to me in a very profound way. So, I know what I'm talking about here. <laughs> so, let's go back to scripture. You know, we put, we put, if we put God against Satan, right? What does John 10.10 say? John 10.10, we hear, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life. So, you know, we want to end, you know, we have uh, several more minutes on this show, but You know, we want to emphasize the positives, right? We have a God who loves us, a God who came to save us, a God who wants to reveal his truth and his mercy to us, right? And yet the enemy is real and he works against us. So, you know, we don't want people to be afraid of this topic. We want to be able to talk about these realities and help people to know, oh, as long as I stay close to the Lord, as long as I pray, as long as I keep striving to seek his will in my life, then I really don't have to be afraid of the enemy, right? Yeah, and so, you know, as, as you expressed, Laddie, as long as we make sure that we're doing the right things, right, it doesn't allow for an opportunity for the wrong things to enter into our lives. You know, the more that we exercise our faith, the more that we practice our faith, it doesn't leave any room for anything else. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, I think, again, people can get wrapped up in fear of, of, of evil and maybe a little too uh, curious about it. it. Don't go there. That, you know, we're talking about this so that people have a basic general understanding, um, but it's not something to go seeking out or, you know, trying to really become an expert in any way or, or, or in, you know, beyond the normal understanding as a Catholic Christian or a Christian in general. But it's to help you to have the armor. And so, you know, even that beautiful scripture about putting on the armor of God, right? The belt of truth, right? Who is truth? Jesus Christ is truth. Stay close to our Lord. The breastplate of righteousness, right? Choosing to, to live a good life and doing what is right. Um, shot our, fees, uh, our, shod our feet in the shoes of zeal for the gospel of peace, right? To live in the gospel of peace and to walk with our Lord and to try to share the good news. These are all going to help put on our armor, right? Pick up the shield of faith to quench the fiery arrows of the enemy because he is always shooting arrows, right? But if we have faith, we can deflect those arrows and say, oh no, that's, that's a lie of the enemy. I don't need to believe that. Put on the helmet of salvation to put on the mind of Christ, 
If we know that he is our savior, he's always trying to bring us to salvation. And then pick up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, right? So all these things are laid out in scripture. We have to turn to scripture and really be rooted in his word, his living word, which will provide all the protection, you know, with the church and the sacraments so that we can be at peace in this life. And my hope for all the listeners are out there is simply not to live in ignorance either. We need to be able to help and, and to be able to catechize the faithful because it's not just the secular world that are turning to some of these practices. Yes. It's oftentimes the people that are sitting to the left and right of us within our own pews. Yes. And so we need to help them to understand and, and, and gently and lovingly Right, challenge them and correct them in a way that's going to bring them back into the loving arms of Christ. Yeah, and that's a really good point to make because um, in my own journey, again, I've certainly encountered people who tell me, I'm going to go to an energy healer. And I was like, wait, don't do that. <laughs> like, let's pray. Let's turn to Jesus right now and pray together, right? And, and to try to explain to them that energy healers, yeah, there's energy, there's power there, but it's mm -hmm. not from our Lord. Yeah. Right? It, those, these things are. They certainly, they are effective to an extent, right? The, the demonic does actually work, you know, in certain ways, and it is tangible and real, but all it does is it leads to greater slavery and darkness. Absolutely. So again, I hope you've enjoyed uh, this half hour show uh, on fullness of life, on the reality of the spiritual realm. Please uh, continue to tune in every month, the third Friday of the month from 2.30 to 3 o'clock. We're going to be um, coming to you every month with kind of new topics regarding the, the topic of spiritual warfare and the reality of good and evil. And this journey of faith that we're hopefully all kind of moving in the same direction. May God guys um, as you continue and until we meet again, I'm wishing you all his fullness of life.